0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sherry. My name is Sherry Maher. I'm a compulsive overreader. Hi, Sherry. Hi. And what did I put over the recorder is nothing but this gigantic size 24 dress that I used to wear. So uh, this is my dress. Okay. When I hold it up. You can't even see me, okay? So I was 260 pounds. I was busting out of a size 24, and I have 22 years of back-to-back abstinence, um, and I like to say perfect abstinence with an imperfect food plan, and uh, this is what I look like today. I'm a size 6. I'm 55 years old. I'm going to be 56 in November, and I will have uh, 22 years of abstinence, so I think I'm, I should have said I'm, I have 20, 21 years of abstinence, but... You know, they, you get older, it all blurs together. <laughs> um, anyhow, I'm really, really honored to be here. So, what was it like? That, that's what it's like. You know, can you imagine? Some of you know what that's like, okay? And it doesn't matter to me if you're here as a compulsive overeater with five pounds to lose or you have 500 pounds to lose. Because to me, this disease centers in the mind and it's a living nightmare. It's a living nightmare without being able to close that gap. And to all, my best thinking said, two pizzas, 68 candy bars, that'll make me feel better. But I have to tell you, my experience, there is no difference between a five-pounder and a 500-pounder because this disease centers in our mind. So if you were like me when you came into the rooms, because this is what I used to do, because I could have over... 33, 36 years of abstinence. I have my numbers written down. I don't remember what it was. But it took me either 11 or 13 years in these rooms, dieting my way to be over 100 pounds overweight. So don't do what I did and say, and look around the room. I'm not as fat as him. I'm not as fat as her. Because when I came to my first OA meeting, I only had 20 pounds to lose. And I couldn't stand this big book. It was boring. I wanted to hear the stories. I wanted to hear all the drama. All the drama. And uh, the reading, it was like, hurry up with the reading, now, Let's get to the stories. And you guys were all so nice to me. You know, it says in the big book, you know, we're normally a, a group of people that we normally don't mix but you know what, in this room, man, this is, this is the only true democracy I have ever experienced in the world. That All the barriers are, are just dropped and we literally are one of the same tree, you know. And so I'm going to go ahead and pass my pictures around because um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, you know, what it was like. I want to tell you how, what happened and what it's like today, and how how do we get that rec- how do we keep that recovery today? So in in the um, in the front of my pictures, you're going to see where there's two pictures, and I, and there's I've been recorded in OA a lot. So if you want the longer version, look around, and you'll probably find it. But the bottom line is, I keep the two normal looking pictures in the beginning of my book because I never ever want to forget that this disease centers in my mind, not my thighs. Okay, it's thoughts, not thighs. That size 24 dress, when you open my beautiful closet, the first thing you see is that size 24 dress. And the reason I keep it there is because my very first sponsor said to me, she goes, Sherry, you keep that dress. I was like, why? Man, i want wearing all those hot, cute, sexy clothes like I'm wearing now. And, she, and I go, why? And she goes, that dress is always waiting for you. And I never want to forget, like, I don't kid myself going, see this blonde hair? Now when, they're, now, when we were mostly women in the room, I'd say to the, I'd go, do you really believe this? And now there's some, in the women, well, of course not, right? There's so many men have joined us now. So I go, do you really believe this? And they go, yeah! And it's like, well, the reality is, it's a, it's a good bleach job. So, um, anyhow, I don't believe for one minute that my hair is going to stay like this. But I, if I want to have blonde hair, it's my choice, right? So, in the big book, this is what I really love, and, um, and, you know, I never really know what I'm going to speak about, but I just, you know, I'm driving over here going, geez, you know, what, what am I going to say? And it's like, no, I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to show up and, and do what I'm supposed to do. So, this is what it says. This is the forward to the first edition in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is the forward as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939, we there's that word right that's the word I couldn't do we because we is the first word in the first step and it says we admitted that we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable so in that first step I tried to do this program I I admitted I was powerless over food and that my life was unmanageable well do you think that helped me it didn't help me at all right because I is the problem so I could not be the solution All right, and I truly believe after being in program all these years and obtaining and maintaining a healthy body weight for over uh, 21 years now, I believe that whatever I ask God for in prayer, he answers in physical form called you, 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 we. I can't stay abstinent, but we can. So this is what the forward says. It says, We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I thought... In the early days, because, you know, remember, I came to these meetings for 11 or 13 years dieting myself to be 100 pounds overweight. I didn't have a clue what abstinence was. I didn't have a clue, you know, I didn't completely give myself to the simple program. Anyhow, those of you that are wondering what that, is that siren somebody's cell phone? It's like, no, it must be something going on out there. But um, anyhow, I thought you guys were going to strike me thin. I thought you were going <laughs> to wave a magic wand over my head. I thought if I came into these rooms, something would rub off. And I'd catch what you guys had. And you know what? Nothing rubbed off at all. I continued to gain weight and gain weight and gain weight. So this is, this is what I have to remind myself. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered. Right? From a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I don't get to recover from compulsive overeating. I've recovered from a seemingly uh, hopeless state of mind and body. So my mind is not hopeless, nor is my body. But I'm still a compulsive overeater. And the only reason that I get to obtain and maintain a healthy body weight today is because I maintain a spit... Did I say spit? Okay, how about a fit spiritual condition. (laughs) okay and so that blew my mind is that I'm not recovered from compulsive overeating like I'm not a recovered blonde just because I want to be blonde doesn't mean I'm blonde I have this dark dark streaks with gray these days hair okay but I get to look like this if I choose to stay in fit spiritual connection so um I want to tell you like those of you that that have that, you know I haven't been over on the west side for a, a long long time um, in two thousand and eight, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and so and I've been very open about it in program because what, if it helps if it helps you to tell you that what i I've been through that and it will inspire you to go, you know what she's not special she's just like me she's just a fat chick just trying to get carve her way out, and keep her connection to God, okay, so I am not just an incest survivor, I'm an incest thriver, I'm not just a cancer survivor, I'm a cancer thriver, and I'm not just an obesity survivor, I'm an obesity survivor, okay, and and a thriver, because it's very, very important for me to know that I get that daily reprieve, based on the contingent of my spiritual condition. And so um, I always have to remember that I'm recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, but I'll always be a compulsive overeater. Because haven't you ever seen somebody with 10 years, they go out? Somebody with 5 years, they go out. Somebody with 25 years, they go out. So I know that dress, wherever it is, It's waiting for me, okay? And just like it says in AA Comes of Age, I believe it's on page 118, it says the ego has amazing recuperative powers. (laughs) And boy, isn't that true, okay? So the problem is not out there. The problem's right here. So when I'm connected to my higher power, man, I am all power. Just like it says in the first step, it says we, right, you and me, admitted that we were, past tense, powerless over food, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Okay? So I'm not still powerless. I'm powerful. I'm with God. See, I don't... God doesn't end and then I begin. The stuff that's in the plants is in me. And it's my choice to connect up to that on a daily basis. It's my choice. So when I get scared and life throws me a, hey, Sherry, you got cancer! Did you think that was scary enough to gain 100 pounds? You aren't kidding, right? So it was like, Sherry, what are you going to do? Get bitter or get better? The choice is up to you, all right? So I had to do the we part of this program, right? So when I had to cancel one of my ABC workshops that I did, that was so demoralizing for me because I thought the only way I wouldn't go to OA was because I quit, I never thought my health would hold me back from going to the meetings or presenting a a workshop or to to go help the still-suffering compulsive overeating. I never thought that I couldn't go to meetings because of my health. So since 2008, within 11 months, I had six surgeries. Still look like this, only with a better rock. (laughs) So... I needed to know that there was going to be one winner at the end of this. It was going to be me and God, or it was going to be me and my addiction. So I have a choice. I can be a hostage to my ego and addiction, or I can be a host for God. And every day I get the choice. And every day I get the temptation. Okay? So um, I also want to read this little um, thing here. Somewhere did I want to put this. It says... Also, in page, um, on page 85 of the big book, on the, in the 10th Step Promises, uh, second paragraph down, it says, We are not cured of alcoholism. And it was like, Guy, you gotta keep telling me I'm not cured? It's like, No, baby girl, Sherry, listen, the only thing that's cured is a ham. You know? <laughs> And I'm not going to be cured of this. It's not, These. It's just like this nail polish is going to chip. Th- these roots are going to grow out. If I don't keep my ego in check and my addiction in check every day, then I, I will relapse like anybody else. And I think one of the reasons that I've been able to obtain and maintain a healthy body weight for over 21 years is because I really get that just because it looks... Asymptomatic, it doesn't mean that that ego and that addiction is sitting there. It's just waiting. It's just waiting. It's just waiting. So it's like it's constantly up to me to, re- to re-choose me and God. Re-choose me and God. Re-choose me and God. And, if, and it's vitally important that I do it every single day. So, and here's a, something that may shock all of you. It shocks people when I tell them this. And I go, I've only done one four-step. And they go, "Ooh, really? Like I'm something special. I'm not special. I just got this program. I I went to a lot of AA meetings because, you know, back in the day, we didn't have a whole lot of OA meetings and literature and so on. You know, I wanted to know what those alcoholics have, why their program was so big and so thumping, so I encourage you, you know, go to an open AA meeting, watch how clean that program is, it's black and white, it's just like, you know, they'll smack you upside the head, you know, they're not politically correct, I just, I love the, the honesty and the, and the rigorous on it. not the brutal honesty, but the rigorous honest, you know, outside issue, blah, blah, blah. Ah, shut up, you're drunk, you know, like, 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 we'll think it, right, but we won't say it, and so, um, I don't know, now I don't know what I was talking about, I'm having too much fun up here, um, so you know what, I only, I only did one four step, because I learned from going to those AA meetings, that they live on, on steps, Ten, eleven, and twelve. 10, 11, and twelve. 10, 11, and twelve. And I've done a twelve-step writing exercise where I take one problem and I write. I write on. I use all twelve steps on one one uh, thing, and it's you know a thing I use in my workshops called life's a dance when you learn the steps, and it really is. And so it's like I the most important part of my fourth step was when I did the fifth step and the fifth step said in the uh, AA 12 and 12 because remember when I came up we didn't have the OA literature and it says this was the beginning of true kinship with man and God. And that just gives me chills today because my kinship was two pizzas and 68 candy bars. That's where I took my heart. That's where I took my fear. That's where I took all my pain. And I would never take my, my problems to you guys. You guys were the problem, right? I mean, it's like, you know, your family will never love you. You Nobody will love you like your family. It's like, well, yeah, you ought to see what my grandfather did to me, right, what my mother did to me. I mean, it's like insane. So usually I think that for most of us, life gets ugly early on. And so for me, I'm a thoroughbred. I'm not dually addicted. I'm not a heroin addict and alcoholic. It's like, man, I'm a thoroughbred fat chick through and through. And, um... <laughs> That's just the way it is. But for me, the beginning of true kinship with man and God was through that fifth step, because I had to risk trusting you that you weren't going to destroy me if I told you my deepest, darkest fears. And most of us, as compulsive overeaters, we don't really have that many secrets, because we're just like you know, Miss Goody Two Shoes, and Miss, you know, we're the you know, we're not, we're pretty nice. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of fourth and fifth steps and nobody said, well, you know what, I, uh, I killed two people, I shot them and robbed a grocery store to get six candy bars. I mean, I've never heard that fifth step, you know, or I ran over, you know, uh, a family of five eating my pizza. So, uh, you know. but, so what I would judge as my secrets are just, are just terrifying to me thinking you're gonna throw me away. But the problem was that I threw me away. Is that I canceled myself out. I couldn't deal with it. And um, so I guess I would just really want to drive home the point is that we're not recovered from compulsive overeating. It is who we are, it's part of who we are. But we're not powerless. We're very, very powerful. And if we choose to reconnect to that power that's greater than ourselves, And the higher power that you understand, like the girl that was up here earlier, you know, how she was talking about it, it's like, man, I'm a spiritual nut, too. I mean, it's like I take a little of this and take a little of that, and, you know, it's just, it works for me. And that's the only thing, is that that my truth works, that your truth works, that your life works for you, and that you can trust and rely upon a power greater than yourself to carry you through and... um, and, you know, also in regards to the promises, um, you know, it says if, you know, on the ninth step promises, everybody wants the promises, and it says if, we, so what do you think it says? If I am painstaking about this phase of our development, or does it say if we are painstaking about this phase of our development. So there it is again, we, okay? Because Sherry doesn't like to let anybody in. Sherry doesn't trust anybody, right? Sherry trusts two pieces, six-day candy bars. So I believe that I won't risk what I know I can't recover from. So you guys taught me to take little baby steps. And the first one was saying, will you help me? So for 11 to 13 years, whatever those numbers are, I have to go look that up, I could not ask you, could you help me? When I finally was 260 pounds busting out of a size 24 and I couldn't live in my head anymore, it didn't matter the size. Because I'd already done, oh, I'll never be 180. Oh, I'll never be 190. I'll never be 200. And it's like boom, 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 right up the scale, Sherry went. So when I asked you to help me, I, it, 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 I crumbled. My first layer of my false self fell apart. So today whenever I have to ask for help, it is great for ego reduction. And it crumbles that outer false self that my ego and my arrogance and my addiction has created for me. And when that crumbles, that light of me, that power inside of me is there. And so sometimes I have my sponsees, I go, I want you to go pluck out what you would call a weed, because all a weed is is a misplaced plant. And I want you to take a flower, And I want you to take a leaf and I want you to sit it in your car or on your desk or whatever you're doing today. And I want you you to tell me what happens to that flower, to that weed, to that little plant. And you you tell me. You call me back in two hours. They call back and they go, it wilted. Hmm. Wonder what will happen if it's not connected to its source. Call me in two hours. It's really limp and dead now. I go, well, that's us. If we choose to do it ourselves and go it alone, it's weak, it's limp, it's broken, it's powerless. But do you know, if we catch it in time, and that plant lets somebody else stick it back into the ground to where all the power comes from, it blooms a million roses again and again and again. And one of the most important things, I think, in OA is to remember how diverse we are. There's no right way to do this. There's no wrong way to do this. Show up. Let God touch your heart. Let another human being help you. The last line in the first step of uh, AA 12 and 12, it says, "We, We stand ready to do anything to have this merciless obsession relieved. It doesn't say me. I was willing to stand, and that's the first thing they ask you to do, is just please just do we. Please stand with someone else. And so when I, when I sponsor somebody, I always say to them, I go, do you know why I'm helping you? And they go, oh, yeah, so you, so you can keep your sobriety, so you can keep your abstinence. And I go, no, I got mine. <laughs> I go, I'm not going to get mine and leave. I'm a sticker and stare. I'm here, and I'm here to do one thing. I'm going to help you, but you must commit to me that when I help you, you're going to turn around and help five other people. And they go, oh. I go, yeah, that's what is required. Because I can't do it all. You can't do it all, but we can do it all. We can go way all over the world and touch souls and lives. And we don't know from, you know, the the Virtual Speakers Bureau that, you know, I, I believe that Roy started this meeting, how many lives that man has affected by, by making this a reality for all of us. And here we are, you know, my sisters and brothers, you know, it's just like, you know, some of you I know, some of you I don't, but it's like, man, the God in me connects to the God in you. And, you know, you know, I've, I've been through a rough time, but you wouldn't know it by looking at me, right? Like, I didn't look this food to solve my problem. I had to stick and stay and just go, God, come on, come to me and through me and help me. Just keep me out of your way today. Just help me keep my eyes on you. Don't let me go to the fear. Because a lot of people think, you know, when they read about, you know, fear and the promises, you know, it, it says, you know, that, that, you know, we'll outgrow fear. Well, I want to tell you, every time you're introduced to your next greatest desire, I guarantee you, you will be introduced to your next greatest fear. Whichever one we decide to feed is the one who is going to be our higher power. So if we start off on fear, it's going to extend into fear and go into fear. And pretty soon we're going to be bowing down to fear. And we're going to go, yeah, pizza will do it. Because we will be so in our false mind, it won't be reality to us. And so, have you ever seen a little two-year-old who picks up and eats dirt? And you go, "Honey, honey, don't eat the dirt." But they look at you like what? Like you're crazy. Well dirt? You ever say to an alcoholic, "I, I, I don't have that." And they're like, "No, man, I gotta have this. I'll die." You take heroin away from a heroin addict, they're gonna say, "I'm gonna die." You take tortilla chips away from me. I was like, I'm going to (laughs) die. Okay? I really thought when my first sponsor said to me, she goes, Sherry, I said I'm not losing any more weight. Because I would lose my weight in 20-pound increments. And she goes, let's talk about your food. I said, oh, let's not. (laughs) I'd like to tell her my problems, right? She goes, let's talk about your food. I go, okay. And I'm guarded, right? And I'm like, hmm. And she goes, well, what are you having for lunch? A toastade. Doesn't that sound innocuous? <laughs> she goes, you have any, any chips with that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. She goes, how many baskets? <laughs> Sorry. Three. And I started crying because I knew what was happening. And I tell people today, just because we're talking about it doesn't mean we have to do anything about it. But just talking about it, you know, once the mind is expanded, it never goes back to the same size, right? So once it was out, man, I couldn't really tuck it all back in. So I, um, that's a whole other story in itself, but I just wanted to tell you that, you know, when it's like you share it or you wear it, you know, it's like it, you, it, you share it, you wear it. And it's like, I look in my mind and I see the size of what's in my mind, worry, you know, dread, whatever it is, whatever the size is in my mind will equate the size of my plate. So it's up to me to keep my mind really, really, really clean. That's my responsibility. The only control I have is self-control. The only control I really want is to control you. <laughs> okay? And that's like, Sherry, keep your hands to yourself. Put your hands to your sides, just like kindergarten. And I want to go, but she and not It's like, no, it's you, Sherry. It's you. It's you. Step 10. It's a spiritual axiom that every time we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us. So, I am the problem, God is the solution. And um, as long as I choose God every single day, um, I get to look this way. I get to be happy, I get to be joyous, I get to be free. And just like it says in the early part of the big book, it says that I get to be uh, bubbling over or brimming over with self-confidence. It's like, I love the confidence I love it. And you know what? If I start padding my meals, I put a little extra dressing in here, a little this, there, love that. do you Where do you think my confidence level goes? I start tanking, okay? So it's like I go like this. 10, eleven, and 12, uh, um, 10, eleven, and twelve feel really good. If I start going 12, 11, 10, I watch my buoyancy factor. If I start dropping down and I don't feel good and I get bottom heavy, okay, that means that I'm relying upon she, he, it, and them, that's the acronym for S-H-I-T if I'm outer oriented then I've I've opened the gap and my ego, my addiction is leading the way, so it's my responsibility to come back to center and I like to say it's important to be self-centered so I can have a God-centered self, okay, selfishness self-absorbed is not the same as being centered on self, it's like Sherry, over here, watch out, come on Step 10, it's a spiritual axiom. Every time that we're disturbed, there's something wrong with us. It's not them. It's you. It's your perception. So my prayer is, God, guide and heal my perception. So I want to share a prayer with you um, that has carried me through a lot of difficult times. Um, and uh, just want to share it with you, and then we'll take some questions. God, I have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Thy will, not mine, be done. I am only here to serve God and my fellows. I trust in you, God. I trust in the process of life. I trust in the stuff that makes the flowers bloom. I trust the God in all others. The God in me connects to the God in them. God, guide and heal my perception. Thank you very much for letting me share. Thank you. Okay, I'd like to take some questions if anybody has any. Yes. Thank how did you develop that without it becoming dogmatic, hypocritical, superstitious, repenting? How did you connect with God without it becoming? How did I connect with God without it becoming judgmental, dogma, uh, whatever guilt? guilt. Um, because for me, I feel that time my mind judges you, that that's my ego. And so one of the things, and I think this is, you know, like I said, I'm a spiritual nut. I follow, you know, it's like I I do I did convert to a very organized religion because that made sense to me. Like this organization of 12 step program really makes sense to me. Um, But I don't I so how did I stay really pure with my God connection? Is that I believe that God is nothing more than love. I think, like, animals are, are really loving and kind, and I think that they're really pure, and so I go, well, that must, that's cool. I love the ocean. It's like God created that, and, you know, so it's like I just know. For me, like, um, like in the old days, we used to say the Our Father, and it, we would say, um, no, I can't even think. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is as in heaven. Give us our daily bread. It's like, please, just daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then it goes on. And so my thing is, like, if I'm not forgiving, then I'm judging. Okay? And so the easiest way for me to forgive is that, I resent. So it's like, if I have a resentment and I've got my hands around somebody's neck, all I'm doing is resending that information through my body. They're, they're, they, they're not upset. They don't even know. If I stay in that agitated, resending, resentful mode, guess what I'll then want to do? It will make sense to me to pick up a pizza and eat it. I'll be just like heroin or eating dirt like a kid I'll be in my false mind it won't be in my true mind. So I know when I live on steps 10, 11 and 12, 12, 11, 10 and I watch my buoyancy factor and I don't let myself go too bottom heavy and go to that powerless phase, then I know that I'm in right the right space, right size so it's just a matter of watching where I'm at so if I'm in judgment I know that that's my ego and addiction if I'm in love and acceptance like it says in the book love and, lo, uh, love and tolerance of others is our code so if I'm not in love and if I'm not in tolerance then man I'm not in, I'm not really in the code does that kind of answer it okay good okay come to the ABCs because I do a whole lot about connecting to your higher power and just connecting from your ego and addiction anyone else questions um, thank you share. What do you do daily to keep your conscious contact with power? It all depends on the day and what's happening with me. So um, every day starts off um, in my office with prayer and meditation and that time to connect, to make sure that my ego falls away and just stays down because I want, it is my job, to, to make sure that my ego and my addiction is in the corner, cowering at the relationship I have with my higher power and myself. That's my job, okay? God never leaves, okay? It's like I can pluck myself up out of the ground, uproot myself like a plant, right, and start stop doing what I've been taught to do. So every day I go, okay, Sherry, where's the fear? Where are you at? What's what's in your mind? Because your your mind, what's happening in here, you will just print out out there. So today, my figure is great, my relationships are great, my home is great, my money's great, everything is great. So if it's not great in here, my printout will be uh, ugly and it will be a turnoff. And it's like you know, people say to me, "Oh, Sherry, you're oh Sherry," and it's like wow, why do why you say that? And then it's like, I go, oh, the God in them sees so the God in me. So it's like, and it's like, that's how I choose to see you. Well, let's pretend that was church bells and not a, a thumb. That was cute. Don't worry about it. So um, does that help answer your question? Okay, and some days when it gets really, really hard, when I go, I can't meditate, then I set a timer for two minutes so that I will Get in that space and that discipline because the level of my discipline will equate the level of my happiness. So that two minutes, then I go, oh, I feel better. So I set it for another two minutes, and then I go, oh, I feel better. So sometimes I do a backwards meditation. Sometimes if the chatter up here is terrifying, I set a timer every hour on the hour, and then I go, whose voice? I'm like, whose voice? Because my addiction speaks to me in my own voice. It brings me insane ideas coming to me in the form of common sense. It says, Sherry, it'll be a really good idea to eat that today. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not checked in, if I'm not self-centered, have a God-centered self, it will make sense to me to eat that. Now, when I am totally connected, I get the result of happy, joyous, and free. If I'm totally in alignment with God, then it's, then it works. When it's not, I'm debilitated, I'm insecure, I'm broken, I feel bad, but it's only in my mind that I'm experiencing that. Does that make sense? Okay, another question? I have time for one more. Yes. Um, Just quickly, thank you so much for your share. Thank you. Um, You said you struggled for 11 or 12 years. Yes. And um, I'm just wondering if you remember your first day of abstinence and what in your mind out about that day as opposed to the previous 11 and 12 years? Was it the time when you just knew to ask for help, or was there something that sticks <sighs> out in your mind? Boy, that's a long question. Um, so she asked, you know, what happened during those 11 or 13 years that you didn't get abstinent but you attended meetings? And, uh, you know, how come I got abstinent? So the number one thing for me um, is that I wouldn't ask for help. So when I got my first sponsor, she, and I, and this is on tape or come to the ABCs and I really go into detail about that, but I had been praying, God, help me, help me, help me. And, um... This girl comes into my life, you know, because whatever you ask for in prayer, God answers in physical form. So I met her outside these rooms. And so to this day, she swears I asked her to be my sponsor. And I swear to you, I never asked that woman to be my sponsor. <laughs> that was the first time that I experienced God did for me what I literally was not able to do for myself. So my time is up, but let's talk after me. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you all. Thank you.